This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. Here are your Hall of Fame voters, Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and Clark Judge. Playoffs? We'll talk about playoffs? You kidding me? Tell you what we're not kidding you about. Talk of Fame Network's brought to you by Gillette. 40 million Americans wake up to a Gillette shave, and Gillette is working to bring you America's number one shave at lower prices. Go to GilletteOnDemand.com and get your first and fourth orders free. Hey, our next guest needs no introduction. You know him as that head-banging professor from ESPN. Of course, we know him as a friend and Hall of Fame voter. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. John John, thanks for coming back. Hey, how you doing, guys? Doing great. Hey, John, first things first, let's get this out of the way. Can, can you clarify your situation? I mean, the Internet says you're no longer with ESPN. Then it says, well, no, as a matter of fact, you are. So are you or aren't you? <laughs> no, I'm still technically an ESPN employee full-time between now and 2020. So really, for three years, I remain at ESPN. The only difference in the equation is I don't have to contribute at the moment. And so it's kind of an unusual thing that, uh, you know, with the 100 people that were affected like this, you know, I have a contract that they're honoring, uh, perfectly available to do something when needed. But at the moment, and at, uh, indefinitely or probably for three years, you know, I still remain full-time ESPN, but I don't have to do anything. So it's kind of a <laughs> unique situation, but that's what that's it is. That's a pretty good gig. That's a good yeah, teacher. And, and then what's also nice about this, and again, you know, I, I can only thank the people at ESPN for what it's been like and you know, what happens in the future and all that stuff because they've been so good to me and continue to be good to me. But you know, I have the, uh, my local show in Seattle from 10 to 12 Pacific time, which is on uh, 710 ESPN Seattle. Then I have uh, Sirius. I'm the main fill-in with, uh, you know, moving the chains with Pat Kerwin. So when Chris Miller, for example, this week, Chris is going to be out Thursday and Friday, so Pat and I will be doing the show Moving the Chains on Sirius. So that'll be good, and I've got a whole bunch of those coming up. And there's some other things that are in the works, too. But uh, I've got plenty to do, and again, nothing but thanks for ESPN. But technically, I don't know what you call me. Do you call me laid off? Do you call me pushed aside? You call Whatever it is you call me, but again, I'm still called ESPN because I'm still full-time. Hey, John, minus all the travel, are you going to become Seahawks-centric these days? In, in what regard, say, Seahawks-centric? Well, you got the local radio show. Is, are the Seahawks yeah. your, your, your bailiwick now? Or that, that's your, your, your call? No, no, no I still stay national. I mean, again, it's like, uh, you know, uh, there's limitations with the way that the contract uh, is and the full-time status that uh, I can, you know, again, it's like, there's limitations on what I can do new. But what I've been doing from before, it currently exists. So I'm still going to go to the owners' meetings. I'm still going to go to uh, the draft. I'm still going. I mean, I may not have to go to the draft, but uh, you know, I may have to do a little bit more local stuff. But again, I still stay national. So I'm not not really a local guy. But whatever they let me do, in addition to my full-time status at ESPN, that's still to be determined. Well, John, you're local in this respect. You're about what? A 10-minute walk from the, the Seahawks facility? Yeah, about 10 minutes, right next. Wow, door. and you, and and you were over there today, right? I was over there to do a uh, interview with Blair Walsh, the kicker, and then okay. they have an afternoon uh, mini, mini camp that I'll I'll walk over to. Okay, so you know that team as well, if not better than most. What in the world is going on there? I mean, is there a civil war going? On? I mean, do you believe there's a rift? Is are, are things beginning to crumble under Pete Carroll? I mean, what is going on? 
what's going on is really kind of a five-year history of guys that uh, kind of go, they're, they're brothers, they're tight, but what ends up happening is sometimes there's some little internal spats. And so because of that, uh, you know, when you put the anecdotes together, it sounds and feels much worse than it really is. And mm-hmm. so because of that, uh, you know, the story that Seth Wickersham did for ESPN was sensational, did a lot of great reporting, but when you clump it all together, it sounds a little bit worse than what you think. But overall, I mean, this is a very tight team. It's always been a tight team. And remember, they won a Super Bowl against the Denver Broncos on the eve of that game. Golden Tate uh, was watching as uh, Percy Harbin body slammed Golden Tate. And so, uh, you know, they have their little spats, but also they come up with a lot of wins. Well, speaking of winners, we're with Hall of Fame voter John Clayton on ESPN on the Talk of Fame Network, and you can find us on the web at talkoffamenetwork.com or on Twitter at at talkoffamenet. And John, staying with the Seahawks, um, what was behind all that Richard Sherman chatter in the offseason? I mean, were the Seahawks trying to send him a message, or or were they actually interested in trying to deal him? No, they were they were trying to send a message. Uh, I think that's pretty clear. But uh, in fact, I would imagine that uh, you know, before the off-season program ends, Richard Sherman's going to talk, and he talked a little bit last week in a story that uh, came out on USA Today. But what 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 it was is that uh, Richard still hasn't gotten over the loss of the Super Bowl, the play at the one-yard line, which he thought should be a run, turned out to be a pass and interception. He hasn't gotten over it yet, and so because of that, there's some bitterness. And so, like for example, at uh, what the one game last year, you had uh, him watch Daryl Bevel, the offensive coordinator, call a pass play at the one-yard line that did not work, and he started yelling at Daryl Bevel, Pete Carroll, you name it. And so, uh, Richard is an intelligent guy, he's an emotional guy, and he doesn't take losses hard. And so what ends up happening, he gets too emotional in these things, and again, that's part of the reasons he's so good at what he does, but also it now causes some conflicts. And so, he's always asking the team to you know, get better play and do this and do this and do this. And so it wasn't like he came in and asked for a trade. What he did is all these conversations, they said, would, you, would it be better if you get out of here? It's like, well, I don't know. And so they shopped him around, and they were serious, but they knew that they weren't going to get a one and a three or a one and a four, so there was never going to be a trade. And so it was one of those exercises where you know he gets the message that he is – like, you know, he can be vulnerable, but also he still wants to be here. Even at the start, when they started, the story came out, he only said there was about a 5% chance there was going to be a trade. Does When and does emotion become a distraction? Uh, it did last year. I mean, you've, uh, a couple instances. I mean, what, for example, he got into it with one of the local radio people, Jim Moore, uh, threatening to take away his press pass. I mean, he shouted at the defensive coaches at different times. That's a distraction. And that's why, in many ways, you know, if there was a trade offer that they would consider, the one of the three and the one of the four, he would have been traded. But also, he's too valuable to the team. He's one of the best cornerbacks in the league. NFL Network, you know, put him at the 21st spot. And, you know, he's so critical to what this defense needs but uh, you know it becomes a distraction and so now you address it and hope it goes away but at the moment you know until he addresses it uh, it probably is not going to go away uh, how do you see the NFC West shaking up 
Can anyone push uh, these Pretty guys? much Seattle. I mean, because when you think about it, they've got about 13 Pro Bowl players on the team. Now, they've added two young players who you don't know are going to make it back to the Pro Bowl, and Eddie Lacy and a Blair Walsh, the kicker. Uh, so they have 13 Pro Bowl players, you know, eight of the top 100 players, and they've now drafted on offense one year and defense this past year. So they're going to be a little bit deeper. Their offseason has been one where, unlike other teams, they've added and not subtracted. They've added about 10 players on one-year contracts. They're going to be a little bit better on the offensive line. They figured that the running game is going to be better. And if that's the case and their defense can at least resolve some cornerback issues, then uh, they should be right up near near the top with Green Bay, Dallas, Atlanta, and some of the top teams in the NFC. So there's still a premier club in your mind? Yes, no question. Yeah, okay. The difference is they're not like the 2013-2014 team that was completely loaded, a team that you knew once you saw it on the field it was going to win 12 or 13 games. They've dropped down in the last two years into the 10-win level. Now they've got an easier schedule this year. The division, other than Arizona, should not be too hard, so they should come out of it. But if they can get to the 12-13-win level with the easier schedule, it puts them in a good spot because then they can get home games. Hey, John, give, give us your memories of Cortez Kennedy. Uh, you know, it, it was touching because, I mean, when I, that was my first combine in 1990. And I went there, and, of course, we had this relationship where I'd call him Big Dog, he'd call me Big Dog. And then in 1992, on one of the worst teams in NFL history, third worst team in NFL history for offense, he had 14 sacks and was the defensive player of the year. It was unbelievable, but he was dominating and a great person. John Boy. I want to thank you for the time, Big Dog. Hey, now you're free. You, to, now you're free to go back to Twisted Sister. I got to tell you, that's one of the best commercials I've ever seen. Slayer, Slayer, you, Slayer. Oh, in the headphones, it was tremendous, John. It was fun. Yeah. Well, thanks for the memories, and and you know what? Best of luck with whatever you get into. Okay, I'll be fine. Thanks, John. Good. Looking forward to seeing you guys. Thanks, we'll be, we'll be looking forward to talking to you again. Thanks so much. Okay. Thanks. That was Hall of Fame voter John Clayton of ESPN. Up next, it's ageless linebacker James Harrison of the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. This is James Harrison of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you're listening to the Talk of Fame Network.